Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Hey everyone, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. It is Trail Talk edition of the Conversations That Matter podcast today. It's a bit uh, misty and rainy out, which means that the park that I'm at right now, which is about 25 minutes from my home, doesn't have a lot of people. And I love coming here, especially when there's not a lot of people. And I have something to say today. So I thought, perfect for a trail talk. So I want to follow up on the video that I made on Monday, uh, the interview that I did with Joel Webin and um, Andrew Rappaport. And we, we talked a lot about, uh, I guess, so the sign gifts, speaking in tongues, charismatic stuff. And some people thought, well, the title was about word of faith. You didn't really talk about that much. And no, we didn't. <laughs> that's true. Uh, the, I don't think the conversation got derailed. It's just, that's the way it flowed. And, and that's what long form conversation often is, is you're playing off each other and, uh, and so Joel and Andrew shared their, for those who didn't see it, shared their testimonies and included in, the, in their testimonies was going through a phase of word of faith teaching uh, and being influenced by that and then coming to a more reformed understanding of the Bible and Christianity. So um, I think that was helpful. I wanted them to share that. They have experiences that I don't have, but someone did point out, and I thought it was worth sharing with you. I've had some messages and some comments uh, along these lines that the arguments against using experience as a guide, as opposed to the Bible, relied on stories or experience. And I thought, you know, that's a, that's, it's a shrewd observation. And um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to make this video. I don't think that's completely true. Obviously, we uh, did talk about some biblical things. We did talk about 1 Corinthians um, 13 primarily. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of sharing. Hey, here's my experience. And, and, and so I have some things to share about this. Uh, I, I do think experience is important, actually. I, I think, and I'll share some scriptures on this and why I think though the word of God is the final authority in matters of faith and practice and experience is uh, helpful in observing applications. It's helpful in spotting the fruit. I mean, that's the whole point of the false teaching is you know them by their fruit. You see the immorality and just the sin that accompanies it. And that gives you a clue to the bad theology that's probably undergirding it. So anyway, um, let me start here. So th this is a deviation. I want to say that first. Don't expect that I'm going to be talking about this a lot. This might be the last video unless I feel like I need to address something 
beyond this, but I don't think I will. Uh, so I, I don't view this as the big threat. I don't view this as something that's really worth me taking a lot of time to talk about. There's other ministries who I think do a good job talking about this. And I have a lot of good friends who are continuationists, charismatics, Pentecostals. Some of my closest friends actually are in some of these camps. And so I have no like ill feelings or anything like that. I just, I have my concerns. And, but the thing is like some of them are, they're concerned about me. So the feeling's somewhat mutual, I suppose. I do think there's a distinction that needs to be made between that and word of faith. I, you could think of word of faith as being under the umbrella of the charismatic movement, I suppose. But it is, it, it is far worse as far as, uh, I, I would put it in the same category as a false gospel where I put the social justice gospel. So it, it, I don't think all charismatics are word of faith. They don't believe in name it, claim it, that um, God's going to bless you in material ways or is obligated to bless you in material ways simply because you have a certain level of faith. Um, I, I just don't think that's biblical. I think if you look at the examples of the apostles' lives, you're going to find there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of things that, that wouldn't fit that paradigm. And oftentimes these guys use the gospel for trying to get rich quick. And it's, it's a shame. I could talk about it for a while, but that's, that's a whole nother ball of wax. And it's very bad, I would say. The charismatic stuff I think is, is unbiblical. I think, um, now I'm going to explain this, why I think that. Uh, and I'm, and I don't want to just rely on my experience of, well, here's what I saw with friends of mine who are charismatic or something like that, or, you know, people who aren't friends, but I've seen negative things. Cause I, I do think there's some very concrete biblical things, uh, that lead me to, to this conclusion. So I, I'll start off here with experience. I believe experience is an authority, but I believe the word of God is the final authority in matters of faith and practice. And I, I want to quote Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, it says, And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter's talking about the mountain of transfiguration there with Jesus. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So you have an apostle here saying, look, I was on the Mount of Transfiguration and you know what I trust more than that? The more sure word. <laughs> What's the more sure word? Well, it's, it's the prophetic more sure word. Uh, it is scripture. He's saying that that is, that, that is a um, final authority. That is, that is, takes precedence even over experience. And so I, I do think in matters of faith and practice, scripture is where we need to go to. And these, these other supporting things, stories and experiences that we have, they can give us a clue. God can use them. They can serve to help us out, apply things. They're not the final authority though. So um, that, that is a starting premise that I have. Um, I'm also, though, not an ideologue, or I try not to be. <laughs> uh, when it comes to cessationism, there are people, and I've met them, that they're, they're rigid, man. Um, I don't rigidly suspect every time someone says the spirit worked in their heart 
to teach them something that they're in error or something like that, uh, that they're, you know, you should have written it down in the Bible or something. Like I, I actually think the spirit can work in those ways. I believe that he's done that in my own life. Um, and so, yeah, there's experience, but that it, it's not just experience that makes me think this. Uh, because I think, you know, scripture does teach the Holy Spirit convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And I, I think you, you see even that the Holy Spirit opens and closes doors like he did for Paul. Uh, Paul passed through uh, the Galatian region and he was forbade by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, right? In Acts 16. So I, I don't, I don't see anything in the Bible that says that God cannot speak through the Holy Spirit. Now, do you want to categorize that as God speaking? I don't. I don't feel comfortable saying necessarily that that's God speaking. But if someone wants to say, if someone categorizes that way, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. Like, I understand God is communicating in that. The Holy Spirit is communicating to you. Holy Spirit is, um, the Holy Spirit applies the word of God. He he brings to mind the things that Jesus said, but uh, he also convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so, um, he's, he's going to, he's going to speak the things that, that Jesus has given him. He's going, he, he's, his purpose is not to glorify himself, which is one of the problems I think with the charismatic movement. It's to glorify Christ. Uh, but he is going to work in different ways in different people, showing them the different sins that they're entangled in, convicting them. And I believe also leading them. Uh, so there's application. Um, there's also though added information in a way. So when through circumstances, um, the, the old, you know, reformed divines would say providence, which I'm more comfortable saying, but the Holy Spirit also, uh, it seems at least has some kind of a role in this as well in, in providence in the circumstances that we have in life that direct us towards different paths. And, And many of us can look back in our own lives and we can see this, that, you know, jobs that we've gotten or friends that we've had or things like that. So, um, so I think the Holy spirit uses people in each other's lives in unique ways. I think he prods us. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. Um, and, and this may surprise some, cause I do consider myself to be a cessationist, but I don't see anything in scripture that says, and maybe I'll be corrected on this and maybe I'll change my mind. I don't know. But, but where I'm at right now is I don't really actually see anything in scripture that says that God cannot speak through dreams or visions like he did with the wise man, like he did with Peter. I have to qualify that and say, though, those are very special times. That was a special dispensation when that happened. God was bringing new revelation. And there are these special times in scripture when God uses signs to point to things. And so should we expect them? I don't think so. Should we um, be somewhat suspicious when people have them or say they have them. I don't think you have to be a, like a jerk about, it. I mean, obviously they contradict scripture. Yes. But I, I think that, um, there is a, there, there is a certain dose of healthy suspicion, at least, uh, an understanding that this is not normative. <laughs> These are not the days of Elijah. All right. Declaring the word of the Lord. They're just not. So we have the word, we have the canon, we have everything we need for life and godliness, right? So again, I'm I, getting into that territory. This is again, uh, we talked about it in the podcast on Monday, but this is 
Um, the issue here would be the regulative principle or the normative principle. I'm not like a really strict regulative principle guy. So a strict regulative principle guy would say no, uh, probably to that question. I'm, I'm somewhat open to it at least because I, I think God can do that. But, but I have some, some very, some qualifications. And I think once people get through these biblical uh, qualifications, or if you want to call them that, I, I suppose you could call them uh, standards. At the end of the day, like 99% of what most charismatics say is from the Holy Spirit. You're going to be like, nah, not really. That, that's probably not, in my opinion. So um, here, here's some reasons I say that. Uh, so a necessary separation first that we have to make is between apostolic offices and gifts associated with them and then miracles that God does independently of that. So if you go to 2 Corinthians 12, 12, it says the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, Revelation says there's only 12 foundational stones in the wall of the New Jerusalem, though, representing only 12 apostles. So if there's only 12 apostles and, you know, there's, and, and, I, and I would include the people who worked alongside them in their ministry as being part of their ministry and, and having the authority, having a, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a residual authority or a, a, a they, they were part of this unique time that God was bringing to light new revelation and pointing to it and authenticating it using these things. And, and so I don't think that, because I know someone could bring up like, well, what about people who spoke in tongues who weren't right? Like, I think you didn't have to be an apostle to speak in tongues, but I think the apostolic age though included these things and we're not in it. That's my point. Like we're not in it. And there were signs that it did accompany the office of apostle, the ministry of the apostle, the uh, people around the apostle. So if, if that's true, if there's only 12 and some Pentecostal denominations and so forth, will they'll use the term apostle. They'll call people apostles. And it's like, yeah, I mean, small a apostle, sure. But we, you know, let's not be confused here. We're not talking about the same level of authority as Paul or Peter. We're not talking about that. So, um, so that's the first thing. And that, that is what makes me a cessationist probably primarily because I think that that office has ended. And I think not just that, but the gifts that were associated with that office are not in effect right now. Doesn't mean that God can't do miracles though. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray for the sick and God can heal them miraculously if he wants to. It does not mean that um, there aren't supernatural things. I, I, I'm even open to the idea that, you know, God can do a miracle. I don't know if I call it speaking in tongues, but I'm sure God could do a miracle and impart the knowledge of a certain language or help someone hear uh, something. I mean, th there's stories of this from the mission field. Again, this is experience though. So this is where it's, it, it's somewhat dangerous, but I wouldn't call that... Uh, biblical. I wouldn't say that that is the New Testament gift of tongues. Um, and, and that seems to be the biggest sticking point is that particular gift. So here, here's more in this grid, this, this grid of standards. Gifts are for the edification of the church, not personal edification. So this private prayer language stuff, I think that's, that's rejected. It should be rejected. It's for the edification of the church. Paul goes into this very specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you read the chapter, probably better to do it in a King James because it'll distinguish between unknown tongue and tongue. And if you understand the Corinthian background, you'll understand that they were 
engaging in pagan activities that mirrored or mimicked speaking in tongues. Mormons do that. Other cults do that today. Hare Krishna, I think, does that. So it, it, it's like the, uh, you know, the, the pharaoh's magicians. Like they can mimic certain things and they have their counterfeits. And the Corinthians were engaged in that, going to the temple uh, and seeing temple prostitutes even. But they would g- get into this, uh, this kind of swirling dervish and they would uh, utter uh, these, uh, these, these, they're not languages, but they're, they're babbling. And so in, the, in 1 Corinthians 14, um, there does seem to be a distinction between a tongue, singular, and tongues, plural. And, and Paul seems to be, I, I think it's obvious actually that he's, uh, he, he is trying to promote speak the, the legitimate gift of speaking in tongues while disqualifying the illegitimate uh, supposed gift of, spe- of speaking in tongues that they would, um, in their pagan ways, that they had brought into the church. So anyway, I don't have time to go through that whole entire passage, but there's a, I'll just reference this. There's a good resource by George Gardner, called the Corinthian catastrophe. You can get a little book or there's a series on sermon audio. And I think he does a good job going through that. So, um, anyway, gifts are for the edification of the church, not personal edification. Um, Paul makes this clear in first Corinthians 12, uh, tongues was assigned to unbelieving Jews. So you, you see in uh, chapter 14 of first Corinthians, it says in the law, it is written by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers. Will I speak to this people? And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Paul goes on. He says, so then our tongues, uh, tongue, tongues are a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say, you are mad? So the whole context here is, there, and there's multiple Old Testament passages that say this, that when you hear these other languages speaking these truths of God, you're under judgment. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so that is a sign uh, to Jews specifically. So that is another question to ask is if it's the gift of tongues specifically, are there unbelieving Jews present? Because that's the purpose of that particular gift. It's, it is to edify the church but it is um, also a sign to unbelieving Jews. And, and that fits into the edification somehow. So um, that's, that's the other thing to put into that grid. Uh, and then um, the, the other thing is tongues are not a sign gift more than any other spiritual gift. It's not like, well, you don't have the Holy Spirit until tongues or something like that, like till you, till you have that experience. Because Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that None of the gifts are preferred over other ones. Like the eye can't say to the hand, etc. So um, the other thing is tongues is an actual human language. All the examples in scripture of tongues being spoken are actual human languages. First Corinthians 13.1 says, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, you will be known. Um, let's see. How will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. I don't think that's actually 1 Corinthians 13, 1. <laughs> I think that's in uh, chapter 14. I don't know why I wrote that down. but So, so Paul critiques this idea of um, it not being an actual human language. 
People will grab onto 1 Corinthians 13, 1 though, because he talks about speaking in the tongues of men and angels, but you have to realize that's part of his rhetorical, the rhetorical devices that he's using in that passage. Because he says um, in verse 17 of chapter 12, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Obviously it is impossible for an entire body to be an eye. Uh, In verse two of chapter 13, he states, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and do not have love, I am nothing. So even for an apostle, it was impossible to know all mysteries and knowledge, right? In the next chapter, the apostle expresses, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. And that's an impossibility given Paul's previous statements in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, making it clear that not all can possess the same gifting from God. So Paul's statement that you know even if he could speak in the tongues of men and of angels is a statement of hyperbole and certainly not a mandate to seek or speak a heavenly language. So we have to consider this as well. And finally, this is the most cessationist part of this video, I suppose. There's good reason to think tongues has ceased as Paul predicted. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away. And and there's different Greek words actually for done away and cease there. Tongues will cease in and of itself. The others will be done away. Um, For we know in part, done away when when something outside acts on them. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, uh, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now I see in a mirror dimly, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So he's, the whole book of 1 Corinthians is a correction. He's saying you don't have love, you're not, you you think you have all these gifts, but you don't even have love. That's the critique. And so in in that passage, you know, he's not saying, uh, you know, 70 AD, that's when, he doesn't like come out and say that. That's when um, gifts will cease. And, And there are different ways to take this passage. I, I, I'm now wondering if I've gotten it wrong because Andrew Rappaport pointed out this is probably the word of God. But as I've traditionally understood this, it's Jesus. Um, because I, I always took the face-to-face to mean, well, whoever it is, it's a person because there's a face. <laughs> so whether it's Jesus or the word of God, though, um, if it's Jesus coming back, then that means you know knowledge and prophecy are still around. Uh, if it's not, then... Uh, those are gifts that were done away with with the completion of the canon. Um, now we're getting out on a limb, though here, and that and this is I, I do get an, I think it's a worthwhile discussion, but I do get a little uncomfortable with it because I don't think there's a strong exegetical case that tongues is is uh, uh, went away at a specific time. I think it's more of a actually a historical argument, to be honest with you, and. Is it related to scripture? It sure is because Paul predicts that tongues will cease, but that's what happened historically. So that's, that's the argument actually, is that Paul said it would happen and then it happened. Well, how do you know it happened, John? Well, we do have a historical record. So we can look back and we can see, um, uh, when, in regards to tongues, at least, we can see that it was not practiced really until very, very recently. We're talking like, in Topeka, Kansas, Charles Parham in 1901. Like that is, but before that, so you have like 1900 years of relative silence and the groups that, who did say they spoke in tongues 
tended to be heretical. In fact, I don't know of any that weren't. And so, um, so this is kind of a problem. Like if, if all the spiritual gifts are present in the church, then where was tongues for 1900 years? Right? Like this is actually a major problem, I think, for the charismatic side to overcome because they have to figure out why now. How come in the last hundred years, all of a sudden it's made this big comeback, but where was it before that? Uh, so maybe some people think they have answers for that. I've never heard a good one in my opinion, but um, so some of the other things I think uh, to think about in regards to this is that the last recorded sign gift, so, so apostolic sign gift, not talking about a miracle that God can do apart from having the gift, but an actual gift was Paul healing Publius in Acts 28. In 1 Peter 4, there's a list of spiritual gifts and the sign gifts are left out. So so as you progress with the completion of the canon, the later books don't have the same things the earlier books have. In, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, sign gifts are referred to in the past tense. So, you know, and even, you know, I'm thinking of like, even Paul who healed so many people uh, telling, was it, was it Timothy? I think he said, take a little wine for your stomach, right? So there's, there seems to be from where I'm sitting, a progression, even in the course of the writing of the new Testament from strong sign gifts. I mean, Peter's shadow is falling on someone and they're getting healed kind of thing to, uh, it fizzles out the sign gifts. They, it, they seem to die out with the apostles. Now, um, I think that's really what I wanted to say. There's, there's so much more, I guess, we could talk about. But the, the, to summarize, the gift of tongues, miracles, and healing are not around. But that does not mean that these things cannot happen in, uh, apart from it being a gift. It does, it, in other words, it doesn't mean that God can't do miracles, that God can't uh, heal people, that we shouldn't pray for that. Uh, I think it's a miracle every time someone gets saved, someone receives the word of God and the Holy Spirit convicts them of sin, you have a miracle taking place. And, and so, um, so I, I, I do think, even if you're not a continuationist, right, you should be very, I think, mindful of the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I think you should be, um, you should just understand that we live in a world that is supernatural. It's not just all cause and effect, matter and motion. Uh, we live in a very strange world at times, and there's all kinds of things sometimes we can't explain. And there's so many things beyond us. And so um, there, there's a very spiritual world out there, a very real spiritual world. Doesn't mean a demon's behind every single bush, just just half of them. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're behind a lot of them, but it doesn't mean a demon's behind every bush. And uh, and, and I just want to say this to, uh, to my continuationist friends, because I have many out there. You know, some of you guys... There, there's a spectrum here. Some of you guys aren't that far away from me. Like you might say something like, you know, you're open to the gift being around of tongues, but you still believe in some biblical criteria. I don't see that as practically speaking that different, to be honest with you, because, and, and I have been in churches with people like this. I've actually been member of a church that had this theology and that particular church was not much different than the cessationist church I had been in. So they were open to speaking in tongues but they had biblical criteria, so it just never happened, right? So, uh, you know, and the other, I didn't even mention this one, but the whole, the idea of, uh, of an interpreter, I don't, I don't know if I want to get into this now, but 1 Corinthians 14, 
um, that is one of the criteria. Like if you're going to speak in an, a, a tongue that people don't understand, if it's a, a human language that the people around you don't know, there has to be an interpreter or else there's no communication. So I, 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 that's another, I guess, grid you can put that through. But, um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, there, there may not be like the, the, a big, big difference. I think MacArthur is right. John MacArthur, that guys like John Piper do end up though, even though, even though they're like a soft continuationist, they can give a pass to guys who are more out there. And, and of course that's the danger in, in any direction, but, um, and I disagree with it, but I, I, I think you know, continuationists, many of you are supporters of mine. I still think you're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it's not a, a, something I want to fight over or anything like that. Um, the word of faith stuff though. Yes. <laughs> I think that's worth fighting over. I just think there's other guys doing probably a better job than, um, than me. And, and it's not, it's just not an interest of mine really. So I'm probably not going to make too many more videos on it, but I wanted my opinion to get out there. So people knew exactly where I'm at, at least right now on this topic and uh, they're not speculating about it um, and, uh, and wondering. I, I'm not as rigid as you get, I guess, on that spectrum, but I definitely uh, have my concerns. And, and I shared some of those. If you haven't seen the video, you can go back, watch the interview I did on Monday with Joel and with um, Andrew. And I do share some of my personal concerns. And it really, for me, it has come down more for me uh, to the damage I've seen, the charismatic movement, the effect it's had in people I know personally. And it's a tendency. It's again, this is experience. This is not what the word of God says. This is John Harris, right? And his experience. But I've just seen uh, a lot of insecurity, a lot of just emotional ups and downs, uh, either the minimization or the maximization of sin. Sometimes it's like, you know, you failed and you're in the dumps because so much is dependent on you. But it, but that's a scale, you know? And, and it's more the, I would say the people who are more, you know, deep deeper into the charismatic movement and, and the Pentecostal uh, denominations that more so have that. So anyway, if you have uh, any thoughts for me, or you want to critique what I just said and you think I got something wrong, I would love to hear from you. Just uh, put a comment on the comment section of the video if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, and I will get to it when I get a chance, and uh, Lord willing. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.